This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. As we welcome in uh, our 1320 Kings insider and creator of the Kings Beat, the James Ham. Uh, James, always great to have you. Before we dive into trade rumors, before we dive into the San Antonio Spurs, we got a happy hour coming up tomorrow. Mm. Oh, yeah. And happy hour. the only way that you could be a part of uh, the off-the-record happy hour. Now, one of us may have tried to convince James to record this specific episode. I'm not going to say which one of us it was, but I think deep down we all know which one asked James to record <laughs> the off-the-record happy hour. Uh, the only way you can be a part of it is uh, by being a premium subscriber over at thekingsbeat.com. And James, tell us about your guest tomorrow, because I think this will get longtime Kings fans excited. Yeah, I am super excited. Uh, so off the record with the Kings Beat Virtual Happy Hour Part 11, The Columnist with Aileen Voisson. <laughs> so uh, Aileen is um, just like an NBA legend. Like people who don't know her story, she's, she's lived uh, like five or six NBA lives. Uh, she covered the... Uh, Donald Sterling trials when he up and moved the Clippers from San Diego to L.A. Uh, she covered the 1992 Dream Team. She was like one of six reporters that were on the beat. Um, like her career path and everything is wild. She's got some incredible stories. Uh, we'll sit back. We'll have uh, a few beverages and uh, and let Aileen like just go, which I think is cool because, you know, when you're a reporter and your newspaper no longer does what you do or doesn't have, uh, you know, goes a different direction. You don't usually get to say goodbye. And I don't think Aileen got to say goodbye. So I think this will be a good way for her to kind of stretch her legs and, and have a good conversation with people. Man, it's a throwback right here, man. I remember when you announced it, um, you talked about how like Brendan has no idea who, and, 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 and how, um, I guess you could say influential she was during her time. Like people, people can, say whatever they want about Eileen Boisson. I mean, she, she was there for a long time and she was like all over everything that had to do with the Kings um, for a long time. And, you know, I, I don't, 
I don't think I don't disrespect that that moment in time that she had with the Sacramento Kings. So to be able to hear her, to hear her stories, hear her thoughts on some of the things going on today and back then, that's going to be some good stuff, man. Yeah, I'm excited. And of course, it's off the record. So people uh, are allowed to, again, kind of like dive into whatever sort of topics they want to dive into. And, you know, like when we had Katie Christensen on, it was just amazing. Um, You know, Katie got really personal and talked about her life off the court. And, you know, we've had some amazing guests and the happy hours are really cool. So uh, people are missing out if they're they're not jumping on board for the happy hours. They're, They're really cool. I'll jump in and tell Aileen about the time she really, really pissed me off. Uh, so that's, that's on the, uh, you can only be a part of that by being a premium subscriber over at the kingsbeat.com. Just one of the many perks you get uh, by being a premium subscriber of the kingsbeat.com. And now that we're headed into trade season, James, this is the worst eight days of the NBA season because you can essentially believe nothing you read in sports journalism right now. But let's start there uh, with some of the rumors. Uh, Matisse Thibel, that's where I want to start. Uh, Mark Stein uh, reported about it. Uh, Keith Pompey uh, backed it up, said it's not just Sacramento that's interested in Matisse Thibel. Uh, The Golden State Warriors are interested in him as as well, so they're monitoring that situation with Philadelphia uh, pretty closely. Uh, Kenny and I are kind of all over the place with this one. What do you think about Matisse Thibel uh, and his fit and, and how that may work here? Yeah, I mean, look, Matisse Seibel is one of the best defensive players in the league. He's a two-time uh, second-team all-defensive player, and I think the only time, the only reason he's not a first-team is because he doesn't score at all. And while you are, you're giving guys credit for being defensive players of the year, uh, you still do have to play offense, and it is part of you know being. Uh, you know, it's kind of a well-rounded package that you have to have if you're going to be on that top tier list. Um, this is a guy that could instantly step on the floor and make a tremendous amount of difference on the defensive end for the Kings. He'd be an upgrade over Casey Akpala, uh, but sort of the same vein of player. Uh, he's shorter. He's only six foot five, but six eleven wingspan, um, super athletic. Uh, but he's a bad offensive player, and outside of playing defense, he really doesn't do anything else. And that's something that you know a good team can support. Uh, but even Philadelphia has kind of had their their run of it at this point. Um, you know, he he's only playing 12 minutes a game this season for the 76ers, and I, it looks like they're 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 thinking about moving off of him. I'd also point out that the 76ers are like a million and a half, two million over the luxury tax. And there's potential for them to move Thibel in a trade that would relieve them of that luxury tax issue and make them not a repeat offender and just save them some cash. Um, so it's something that, you know, I think that, that the Kings should look at for sure. Um, he's never played with a big man who passes like Sabonis. Uh, and so I think that that would be interesting as well. Can he work as a cutter? Can he hit the open three? Shooting 33% on the season from three, but not a great three-point shooter. Uh, but a really intriguing player at 25 years old on, on a budget deal uh, that expires at the end of the year. Here's the thing that I've been saying uh, with this whole thing. Matisse Thibel, like you mentioned, great defender. I like him as a ball player. If there's a way to get him without giving up much of anything, sure, go ahead and, and go ahead and do that. But some of the names that we've heard floated out, Terrence Davis and some second-round picks. Um, we talked a little bit about Rashawn Holmes. I'm just not really that interested in in going to get a guy like Thibel for much of anything. And I know you said that he's better than Casey Akpala as a defender. 
He might be, but you have KZ right here. Why would if if KZ is eighty percent of the defender that Thibault is? Why give up anything and go get a Thibault? Why not just play KZ Akpala? Well, I think one of the reasons that you don't just play KZ is it you know it's kind of the catch twenty two in the NBA and and in life really. Like there's always that job that you want, but they say you need you need more experience. And then you look at them like, how am I supposed to get experience if I don't get the job? <laughs> and so that's it's always like a, a big catch twenty two. And I, I think that uh, that KZ has you know plenty of potential. He's twenty three years old. He's played in some good systems as far as you know Miami and now in Sacramento, where he's he's getting brought along the right way. Um, but at the same time, like the Kings are in a different category right now. They are the third seed in the Western Conference. And that comes with some some great things, right? Everyone's super excited, but it also comes with like if you're going to go play for that team, you have to be able to step on the on the court and play today. And so, any player that the Kings are going to chase at, at the trade deadline, it's going to come with that same caveat. Like if you can't step on the floor, if you can't earn minutes, then you're not like why even pick him up, especially a guy on an expiring deal mm-hmm. now. You, he does come with his Larry Bird rights, so he'll be a restricted free agent this summer, and uh, you'll be able to, you know, like try to sign him to a to a contract after the season. Um, but at the same time, like I think Thibel is just like he's a more experienced version of KZ Akpala, and KZ's just not ready, unfortunately, for the Kings and and for himself. Like you really wish he was. But he just hasn't had the NBA experience where Thibel's played deep in the playoffs. Thibel's played, you know, he started on a great team for a couple of years now up until this season. So that's that's the biggest difference. And, you know, again, he's 25 years old. He fits the the age arc of this team. He's a guy that, you know, if, if Keegan Murray becomes a 20-point-per-game scorer along with Fox being a 25 and Domas being a 18-20, to 20, you can survive with a Matisse Thibel scoring, you know, six to eight points a game but he has to do some of the other things or it doesn't work. Do you feel mm. like KZ Akpala fell short somewhere and that's why he doesn't get consistent minutes or as consistent minutes? No, I just think that you have such a small window to prove that you belong. And once the season starts, it really, it's very difficult to put a player in and just like have him, you know, grow into a role and all that stuff. Once you start winning, like if KZ was on last year's Sacramento Kings roster and was playing out the final 25 games of the season, he would have started 25 games. He would have got plenty of opportunity. But this year it's about winning. And if you're going to take a gamble on one or two players that you're going to bring along, it's very clear that that's Keegan Murray and it's uh, it's Davion Mitchell. Those are your young players that you're investing time and energy into in the game. Like at practice and you know with their their development coach and all that stuff. These guys are all working really hard, but when it comes to game time, the Kings just don't have the opportunity to go feed a guy a bunch of minutes and hope that he figures it out on the fly because they're already doing that with a couple of higher end guys, guys that are first round picks, top 10 picks that they have to invest their time and their energy into. And those are the guys that you're going to allow to make mistakes where Casey's not going to get the extra long leash to make mistakes. Hmm. What would you be willing to move uh, to get somebody like that? But we've heard, I think um, it, it wasn't even reported. It was it was something that Tim Maxwell had just kind of thrown out there, you know, just seeing what a deal would look like. But he, he talked about um, 
uh, a couple second rounders in Terrence Davis. I'm not willing to to, to give that up for Matisse Thibel, um, but I don't know. What, what would you be willing to do for uh, Thibel? Yeah, I mean, TD is, like, I would give up TD for him, and that's not anything, a knock on TD. I just think that, like, at the end of the day, you're getting a guy who is refined in what he does and knows exactly what his role is when he steps on the court, and we're still waiting for that moment from Terrence, right? And so, like, if I were doing the math, like, I think the Kings would probably be better off offering something like Alex Len and uh, a couple of seconds or a, a good second, Mm-hmm. for for Thibel and Jaden Springer. Uh, Jaden Springer is a young player, former first-round pick, but who's not playing at all for them. And the biggest problem with, with Springer is that he's just eating their salary cap. He's the, the number that puts you over the top. So in that deal, you'd be trading out like a $3.9 million contract for basically like $6.4 million. And it works under the cap, but it would save them like two plus million, which would drop them below the luxury tax. And because they are a repeat offender team, that luxury tax for them, every dollar over is probably at this point worth five. And so they they would enjoy getting like a $10 million tax break for losing a young player and then maybe a second round pick or two. Um, but again, there's interchangeable pieces here that the Kings have. You could go with TD. You could go mm-hmm. with uh, Trey Lyles at 2.6 million for Thibel. What you can't do is the Kings had to have a trade exception at four point zero six million, and you're only allowed a hundred thousand dollar buffer each way with well above with that four point oh six million, and unfortunately, uh, Thibel makes I think four point three, so he can't fit into that trade exception. Because in a perfect world, that's probably what Philadelphia would love. They would love to send out Thibel for nothing and a bunch of second round picks or a couple of second round picks essentially what portland did with jeremy grant right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that there was a way that they got up to a first round pick in that but it was complicated that's that's a very like crazy complicated deal and trade in that and that's uh, just to be nerds here for a minute that's essentially what trade exceptions are is it's just like a hypoth it's it's like a voucher <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it actually it is. It's basically like a coupon. Right. So, yeah. So it's called in the NBA, they have simultaneous and non-simultaneous trades. So there is a trade that you do that just all of it's over and done with on that day. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also trades where you you send out more salary than you bring in. And so you're able to create what are called trade exceptions. And this trade exception that they have two trade exceptions right now, one for 0, uh, 4.06 and one for like 1.65. And the 1.65 is from the Marvin Bagley deal. And the $4 million deal uh, trade exception is from the Tyrese Halliburton trade. Um, so basically it, it is just like a voucher that you use instead of a player. And it's a holdover from the previous trade. And, you know, there are all kinds of ways, like both teams can create trade exceptions from the same trade. So a trade is usually looked at in NBA standards as, you know, if we see a six player deal, that's probably more like three, one and two player deals. And so they like the way that they're put together is different than what, how they're reported and how they're looked at and viewed. You know, you see this one big like three for two swap. And that trade is probably a one for one, a one for one, and a one for zero, and the zero gets a trade exception, 
So they're, they are very complex the way the NBA works and how their salary cap works. Uh, so I think it's an interesting way that the Kings can help everybody out here and maybe free up some cap space for Philly. And, you know, we saw Daryl Morey and, and uh, Monty McNair, they literally sat in the, the stands together during the Sixers game. And then they made a joke about, oh, this is how deals get done. Well, wouldn't it be funny? That's realistically how deal got done. When Maury was in town, they had conversations and then came back around to it two weeks later, three weeks later, and consummated a deal to to get Thibel in Sacramento. Uh, so, yeah, it's interesting. I, I would just, I would point out, too, that I don't think Philly is going to pay Thibel next season. They have way too many other players on the books moving forward, and they can't. So, you know, they're going to lose him for nothing, most likely. And it's a way for them to get something out of it right now. Mm. The thing that I keep coming up with, James, which I'm not really interested in moving here, here's the thing, like, because I look at KZ Akpala different than I guess everybody else, right? Uh, like, worst case scenario, like I said, he's 80%. Even if you want to say Thibault's just a better defensive player. If KZ is 80% of Matisse Thibault, what are you giving up anything for to go get Thibault? I, and the thing that I always say is who you're, you're giving up something to get a guy that more likely than not, there may be some occasions here and there, he's not going to play for you in the final six minutes of a game. The same thing I said with Mason Plumley. Who's coming off the court for Thibault to finish out a game? It just maybe depends on the Kevin night. Herter. Maybe Kevin Herter. Maybe. Well, maybe it's going to Maybe Harrison Barnes. But what's the thing we always hear about with De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis? You can't have non-shooters out there with them. So, yeah, I mean, I get I get where you're going with that, but I would just tell you that like some players are so elite at the, on the defensive end that they can actually impact everything. They can impact like Casey Akpala is is good at what he does. He's not good enough to crack the Kings nine man rotation. Thibel is good enough to crack the Kings nine. Thibel is good enough to start for the 76ers for the last barely, two seasons. Thibel barely cracks the Sixers rotation. But the Sixers there, are up here, and the Kings are climbing, but they're still here. And that's, that's, mean, that's been my point, though, James. If a team that's trying to win a championship is looking at a guy like, we can win a championship without this guy, money be damned. Like, that's, that's that, to me, that's not a good look. That's not a reason not to ever have him on the team. But a team that's trying to win a championship is looking at their roster and be like, we can do this without him. Let's, let's, let's move on from him. That's, that's not a good look. And on top of that, I Thibel Thibel's a hell of a defensive player. I saw him in that Atlanta series. <laughs> like he was in that Atlanta series where they couldn't stop a nosebleed and they gave up multiple 20-point leads at home in Philadelphia. He was guarding Trey Young. He was guarding Kevin Herter. Like he's he's dope on defense. I'm not saying he's not, but I think this misnomer that he's uh Tony Allen, I think that's false. He's not Tony Allen. <laughs> he's not that. Yeah, I mean, like Tony Allen is is a relatively decent comp, um, but again, uh, Tony Allen at least had some offensive game. Thibel really doesn't. And, and again, Thibel doesn't rebound. He doesn't pass the ball. He does get steals. I mean, he had averaged, I think, last season 1.7 steals per game. And you, you're just thinking that if the right fit happens, if you know some of these players, they get into a different system, and some epiphany happens and the light bulb goes off in their head and all of a sudden they're better in their new situation than they were in their old situation, mm -hmm. then, you know, that's not a bad situation. That, that would be a good thing for the Kings if they found a way to, like, really maximize what he's doing, where at this point, like, 
Philly is kind of in the same situation where they're they're trying to maximize Tyrese Maxey as a young player, and they're they're bringing along other guys that they're like, okay, we're not going to worry about him at this point about Thibel at this point. I mean, he's playing 12 minutes a game, so I get that. But this is the first time he's played 12 minutes a game. Let's uh, dive into some other names that are out there, including ones that you and Sean and Brendan brought up on a recent edition of the Kings Beat podcast, available wherever you get podcasts from. We'll start with Darius Baisley. Hmm. Yeah, see, Darius Baisley, like, you talk about a guy who who's lost his spot in the rotation. He's lost his spot in the rotation on a, on a subpar OKC team. Mm-hmm. Sure, they're better this year, but they probably have, they're going to end up with, you know, maybe uh, a third, maybe, well, maybe 40, 50% the amount of wins that the Philadelphia 76ers are. Um, Baisley is 22 years old, 6'8", 7-foot wingspan. Um, he's had moments where he's been really good. He averaged 13.7 points and 7.2 rebounds per game a couple of years ago. Uh, and he just, he's fallen out of the rotation as they go younger. And I think OKC has this, this thing that they went out and they collected all these first round picks and they've done a pretty good job of using those first round picks. But the problem is that they always have more first round picks the next year because that's just their system. They, they're loaded on picks and they start running out of, roster spots so last year is isaiah roby who averaged like 10 points and five rebounds a game and they didn't have a spot for him and they had to wave him at the end of the year uh this year it's basely and basely's been in and out of the rotation all year long uh, but again we're talking about a 22 year old uh he's had some ups and downs when it comes to shooting the three but he's become a really really good defensive player over his course of his four-year career uh, restricted free agent at the end of the year probably won't cost you much to bring him back and he's a guy that you know again this team lacks length and athleticism uh basely is a guy that sometimes gets a little bit too much uh like with heavy dribbling and he tries to take things on himself that just won't be the case in sacramento he won't be allowed to do that uh and that's where you always have to worry like if we're looking at two young players and Baisley and Matisse Thibel, and you compare them, like, I really do think there's something about taking a, a good young player on a great team who understands that he's there to play a role versus a good young player on a bad team who has basically been able to do whatever he wants to do for the last four years of his career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so uh, there's something to a guy already understanding his role and coming in and playing to his strengths. But I definitely could see Baisley being a guy that fits in really well in Sacramento. Um, he's a guy that two years from now could really, really blossom into a special player, uh, sort of the way that Jeremy Grant took for, you know, took a long time to mm-hmm. blossom, but sort of the same frame, the same athleticism, you know, right there along the lines of, of Jeremy Grant, just, you know, he hasn't had the same productivity. And so you're hoping that if you're making that deal again, OKC is not going to be able to keep him this summer. They're just not. They're not going to, especially the way they're treating him this year. You can see where they're they're not playing him all that much. Uh, so if they could get, get something out of him, they probably would jump at it. And again, something is like that's where you talk about Alex Len and a and a second round pick, a future second round pick, and you could probably get Basley. And you know the contracts match up and everything else. And yeah, that's talking my language right spot. there. <laughs> that's talking. Yeah, my, that makes sense. Well, that and Baisley is in the same situation, though, where you can't use a trade exception. 
he's he makes 4.2 something and it's within like 200,000 but it's not within 100,000 of that 4.06 million trade exception uh so yeah it's he's a guy that i like and, and to be honest with you the kings have the assets to go get both of these guys and if you're talking about the future and bringing in long wings and also guys who are at this point they're depreciated assets they're they're not playing major minutes on their team so what are they going to cost you to bring back like realistically well you maybe a, a two-year 10 million dollar contract for thibel maybe a two-year six or seven million dollar contract for uh for basely those are really really good affordable young players that have the potential to grow and be something different in the right system with the right point guard and the right shooting you know the right uh the right big man that can set them up i like basely I, I i like his game I, i'm i'm with you uh ham where you know i don't like the idea of when i did like basely it was on an okc team that was like trying to do nothing so i don't yeah. know what that means you know what i mean um, and, you know, he's falling out of rotation now that they're kind of winning a little bit. But I like the idea uh, of Baisley. I like what he can bring to the table. And he's a guy that I would I would, I would, would take a chance on him if the deal was right. All this stuff is if the deal was right. Like, I, I don't think any of these guys are somebody that you just go out and, you know, we got, we got to get this guy, you know, and, and, and we're willing to move anybody in the rotation to, to go get him. I'm not looking at – Baisley, Thibel, Josh Richardson. I'm not looking at none of those guys like that. But if the deal was right, I do like Baisley. I'm intrigued by Baisley, I should say. Yeah, and, you know, uh, in, in the chatty house, this, the Soul Shine band says no one wants Alex Lynn in trade. Hey, look, that as a player, you're correct. But as a $4 million expiring contract, that's not correct. Like, Alex Lynn has value. And, and to be honest, like, Alex Lynn and your $4 million trade exception – they're like Alex Lenn's salary is more flexible to go acquire a player because you can go, I think it's 25% up uh, or down with his contract. Um, but when it comes to like that trade exception is very locked in. There's only specific players that fit underneath uh, that exact trade exception. And, and, you know, basically is a guy that I hinted at the other day, but didn't say a name. He's a guy that we've heard floated um, maybe for the last week and a half that they're that the Kings maybe had interest in. Um, mm -hmm. And again, he makes a lot of sense, uh, just like Thibault to me makes a lot of sense. They're moving Laker games around. They're preparing. <laughs> they're preparing for LeBron to pass Kareem. They they they're they're moving start times around. Oh boy, it's gonna be. <laughs> It's going to be a hectic week or so in the association with, 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 with LeBron trying to balance not accidentally breaking the record in Portland or something like that and making sure that he does it on national television. I guess they could potentially – we joked about the Portland game. They, they could move any Lakers game to national television to make sure that oh, it's yeah. on TV when he breaks that record. Yeah, he's, of course they he, will. Are yeah. you excited for this? Are, are are you excited for 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 this moment in basketball history we're about to see? No, I mean not really because it was oh, inevitable. Damn. You know, well, like, so I, like it's still going to happen. Like, <laughs> no, I, I get you. I get you. I mean, I remember when Kareem broke it so and like kept extending it. Like this is a player who like he has no intention on stopping. So yeah. like, what are we, we're not going to celebrate every game that he reset the record, and, and I get it. It's a big one. Um, but to me, it's like, okay, at like, what isn't Carl Malone like number three, like behind Kareem? 
So, like, well, yeah, I mean, maybe down to four now. Maybe it is three. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. What's that got to do with anything? What, well, what, I mean, what? I just like I, I'm I'm okay with it. Like, it, it it'll be fine for one night, but like, you know, it is what it is. Like, I, I'm just not. Oh. I'm not the like. I, I like LeBron. I've I've been in the locker room when he won a championship. <laughs> um, but to me, it's like okay. Like this record was gonna fall. So, do you yeah. know where Kareem was when he broke the record? No, I, I don't. He broke it against Utah hmm. in Las Vegas. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we were watching the clip the other day live on the show because that's what we do here on this show. We're like, wait a minute, swear that says UNLV. Like, I can't. It's very, it was very confusing, but it, it, we're watching it to get, like, some context of what we're going to see next week and – we're getting a full game stoppage. We're, we're getting an interview on the floor. We'll probably get the kids brought down to the court. Like, it'll probably be like a 20-minute stoppage. What year was it that he broke the record? 84. Yeah, okay. I yeah. believe it was April of 84. I don't remember the exact date, but it was April of 84 that he broke the record. Okay, cool. And, uh, LeBron will break it in the second week of February of 2023. Mm. Um. There's a lot. I want to ask you about one more player. Uh, I want to ask you about Josh Richardson. That's a name Kings fans. I'm sure you've seen it here in the chat yeah. uh, that, that, that Kings fans are throwing at you. But uh, I want an in-depth answer. So we're going to step out. We're going to come back. We'll talk about Josh Richard, Richardson. And then, of course, uh, James, want to talk about the game tonight against San Antonio and what the Western Conference currently looks like mm. uh, and why this road trip is so important for Sacramento. So we'll do that when we return with James Ham here uh, on Dealing with Casey on Sacramento Sports Leader. ESPN 1320. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. D-Lo and KC continues. Streaming live on the Odyssey app. Y'all really got Kenny fired up over this nah, man, they thing. Like, they, they say they, they saying dumb stuff, man. Come on, man. What you want me to do? This guy, Trey Young, wins the series, averaging 29 and 11, and he played awful because of Matisse Thibel. What kind of nonsense is that? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I didn't. I don't know. They talk about context matters, right? What part of context is winning the series? Where, where's, where, where does that matter in the equation? 
Don't talk to if yeah. you see if you see Kenny at the airport. Don't 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 bring up Matisse Thibel to him. <laughs> it's gonna end. It's gonna end bad. This has gone past Matisse Thibel. It's I'm talking about Trey Young at this point. I'm not sure why we're talking about Trey Young, but that's just the evolution of the conversation in the Chatty House, I guess. Um, you can watch it, so you could be a part of the Chatty House. You too can spend commercial breaks getting screamed at by Kenny Caraway at youtube.com slash ESPN1320 and twitch.tv slash ESPN. I love everybody in the Teddy House, though, man. Even, even Beam Team? Yeah, Beam Team cool with me. I don't have no problem. He he doesn't like me. Like, I, I have him in his feelings, but he don't bother me. Dream Team, Beam Team is fine. So is Jacob. I appreciate everybody that, that supports the show, man. And I love having the banter back and forth. It's all good. Uh, CJ says, remember when Casey hated Franz Wagner? <laughs> <laughs> hated Franz Wagner. He went to my University that's of Michigan. Right. That's right. He didn't hate Franz. He hated Scotty Barnes. That's that's who he hated. That's who he hated. Um, Hammer, before we, before we get to tonight's game and the overall look of the Western Conference, uh, I want to throw one more name at you, and obviously we're going to talk a lot more about this tomorrow and the next day and until Thursday has come, come and gone, uh, and that's Josh Richardson. It's yeah. I don't I don't think there's a report or a rumor outside of uh, it's, they may look to move Josh Richardson. They, I mean, it's a bad basketball team. Like they could do a lot of things, uh, but it's a name that many people have brought up. Many Kings fans. I have brought up over the last couple of weeks. Actually, it's something on the podcast last night, uh, and I wrote about which is going up right now, if it hasn't already gone up in the last few minutes, um, that Sean Cunningham it reported last night on the pod that uh, his name has popped up in, in discussions around Sacramento. Um, and, like, look, Josh Richardson is kind of, like, the perfect fit. Mm. He's kind of, you know, he's a, a 29-year-old guy who has bounced around the league a little bit, but... I think he's bounced around the league. It's kind of interesting. Like I, I haven't met Josh Richardson, so like I'm not going to put like what like who he is as a person or anything else because I, I don't know him. Um, but like he's never been someone who's been on like the outside looking in and, and or a guy that's been like in trouble or anything. But the fact that he's played for four teams in the last like four and a half seasons is usually a little concerning. And then when you look at his contract. That's kind of why his contract is the perfect contract that matches up salaries. And so uh, Boston had too much depth at the wing. So they traded him for Derek White and the salaries matched up. So it was an easy swap. Uh, the difference is it at 29 years old, he knows exactly who he is and what his job is and everything else. He's a three and D wing. He's the guy that basically the Miami Heat didn't want to give up in, in the Jimmy Butler swap mm -hmm. and held up the deal for months and months and months because of it. Uh, and then, you know, he's just kind of bounced around and, um, he's going to take a little bit more to get, uh, because his contract is at 12 million. Um, if you want to take on more salary, the Kings could do that. They could do something like Terrence Davis and Alex Lynn and a couple of second round picks. Uh, and you could probably end up with Josh, uh, with Josh Richardson, but, uh, you could also do something like if they'd be willing you could swap Rashawn Holmes straight across for him. And he's he's a rental. He's an expiring contract at the end of the year. You'd have Larry Bird rights, which means you could go above the salary cap to retain him. And he's a player who, again, is is lost value in the marketplace. Like his his value probably isn't $12 million anymore. It's probably closer to 7 to $8 million. Uh, but could you lock him up afterwards and 
could him and Harrison Barnes be like a really nice forward combo for the next couple of years for you? And I think the answer is yes. Uh, it just depends on like what exactly the San Antonio Spurs are looking to do. They usually have a really high value placed on their own players. And uh, so you're kind of worried, like, are they going to ask for too much? Like even two seconds is probably a, too much for uh, for uh, jo- Josh Richardson. I think so. You think so? I think because I'm with you, Ham. I think Josh Richardson, now, of the three guys that we talked about, this is the guy that fits what they need and what this team style is on both sides of the floor the best, in my opinion. And I really like this game in Miami. He did some good things. I thought in Philly and Dallas, he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. I, I didn't think Dallas really knew how to uh, work with him. Same thing as Boston. But I, I, I like Josh Richardson's game a lot. And if you talk about something like two seconds – I don't know, man. I feel like that might be worth it. Yeah, I mean, if that's what it costs. I mean, the Kings have extra seconds in 2023, 24, 25, and 28. So between now and 2029, they have like 11 second-round picks. Uh, two of those are tied up in the herder trade because if the if their first never gets relayed in 2026, it, it becomes their, two 20, their 2026 second and their 2027 second. Um, so that's a little complicated, but like they have plenty of second round picks and we've already seen that they do not value their second round picks at all. Mm -hmm. Like what they've done with their second round picks over the last couple of years. I mean, they traded one for Sasha Vazenkov, not knowing whether he's ever going to come over or not. Uh, they traded the other one just to move back to another year last year. Um, so like they haven't, they don't really value them, uh, like even on draft night, uh, you know, they typically haven't been using them or they use the two on what Jemias and Robert Woodard, but they didn't even keep those guys the, the following year. Um, so, so anyway, I, I would look at like, this is an opportunity for the Kings to add realistic veteran depth that can walk in and actually improve your eight to nine man rotation. Like, mm-hmm. is he the small forward version of Mason Plumley? Maybe I, I don't even, I don't know if I'd put him as that good of a player, but as far as the fit for Sacramento, mm-hmm. I think like again, if you could add two of these guys, then you're really, really improving your nine man, ten man rotation, and you're setting yourself up to really be a strong contender um, for uh, like maybe a home playoff series, like down the stretch. You a second ago said, could Josh Richardson and Harrison Barnes be a forward combo moving forward for the next couple of years? Did you mean Keegan Murray or no, 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 no? I meant at the small forward position. Like, like if you're going to do a three forward rotation of Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes, and Josh Richardson, I, I think you're actually pretty solid. Like, is that incredible? It really does depend on what happens to Keegan Murray, how good he gets. But I meant as sort of a platoon at the at the three with uh, with Harrison. I got you. James Ham's reports: Harrison Barnes is going to be here for the foreseeable future with me. No. With the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> well, I, we don't know. I mean, I again, hope so. I hope so, like, man. But adding a piece like that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. then what you do is you get to the draft and you're drafting, you know, if if you hold on to, you know, a, a three, four, five, six, you're going to be drafting between like 18 and 23 anyways. That's when you, you take a stab at a really – like developing like small forward that you can bring along behind these guys and develop slowly and, and make sure that he's ready to roll in two years. And Josh mm-hmm. is more two, three rather than three, four. 
Yeah, he's 6'5". He's 6'5 with a long wingspan, but he's more of, at, at, I'd say at this point, he's more of a of a three than he is a two. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he's kind of like what you hope that uh, why Glenn Robinson the third would be. Mm. That's who he is as a player. I mean, they're very similar style of player. Maybe uh, Glenn Robinson the third has better hops, but like I think Josh Richardson's a more refined player, better defender. Yeah. Just for the people in the chat, because they keep asking, James, do you want to speak on the possibility of Gary Trent Jr. or OG and Anobi coming to the Kings? I think they're both slim to none, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't think the, the opportunity is going to be there. Like, do I like Gary Trent? Yeah, but like, where yeah. would he fit? You already have so many shooting guards on this team anyways, uh, when it comes to Herter and Monk there, and, you know, Fox can play the two. And so I'm not really looking at that position. If you can get OG and Anobi, um, I've had someone tell me, like, I think there's there's conflicting views of OG within the the walls of the Sacramento Kings. I've had one person tell me that that they think he would change everything, that he changes the culture of a team. That OG Ananobi steps on the floor and becomes like your defensive catalyst and still has enough offensive game to hold his own, but he could change the direction of the team as far as on the defensive end. And they would be willing to give up a whole lot to have that happen. Uh, I've heard other people aren't nearly as high on him that they, you know, they don't know how he'd fit offensively and like, sure, he's a great defender, but can one guy change everything like kind of deal? No, the Kings culture is just fine. We're, we're, (laughs) we're, we're, we're past the change culture thing. We we, Kings are in pretty good shape in that regard. I understand they need to get better defensively. And that's what we should be talking about at this point is yeah and and i don't think i'm I'm not saying like the culture is bad i mean the defensive culture is still bad it's still not there's still not a buy-in you know you're still waiting for the moment where this team can withstand you know a major run like what we saw against the timberwolves the other night was one of the best defensive efforts this team has had mm-hmm. um but like it's so forced in order to get that like that's not who they are yet and a guy like that would quickly turn who you are like you can still be a great offensive team, but on the defensive end, he's going to demand specific things. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And he's a great individual defender. Like he can change a lot of things. But the problem is with OG, first of all, he blew out his knee in his senior year or whatever year, his final year of college it wasn't his senior year. I think it was his freshman year. Right at the end, he blew out his knee. And that's why the Kings didn't take him. They took Harry Giles instead, which was a mess, uh, but they got to the 20th pick. And they had Giles and they had OG sitting there, both who were recovering from knee injuries. OG ends up playing like almost the entire season as rookie season. I think he missed 10 games total. And Harry Giles didn't play at all and then has barely played since. Um, but when it comes to OG, there there is some injury history. Um, there is the fact that he's he's got two years remaining on his contract uh, after this season. And it's very reasonable. But at what point is he going to want like huge, huge money? And that's something that the Kings have to be cognizant of. You don't want to become the Atlanta Hawks. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Atlanta Hawks, like, they built this gigantic team, and then they kept adding all these pieces in free agency, like Bogdanovich and uh, Gallinari, and they went out and they traded for uh, Clint Capella, and they spent all this money. Well, then their young players that they were grooming to be part of the future, they all came up for their contracts. And it's like, okay, what are you going to do now? You got to pay John Collins. You got to pay trey young but you already signed these other guys and now you don't have any cap space and uh you're looking at you know massive massive luxury tax bills in order to to like 
to have a team that's not going to be a playoff or a title contender. The Kings have to be cognizant of the same thing. Like they, they know now that Sabonis is looking like a Supermax player or close to it. Like at, at a minimum, you're looking at 30 to $35 million a year for Sabonis when he comes up for contract uh, after next season. And so you have to be, you have to plan out ahead. And, you know, if you're going to add a guy like OG, can you, can you get Sabonis and OG and De'Aaron Fox under the same contract, uh, under the same salary cap with Kevin Herter, with, you know, whoever's playing other positions, you really do start running out of money. And then, oh, by the way, Keegan Murray is going to be a first contract. So you have to think about these things two, three, four years out and how they project. No, it doesn't matter because the cap's going to go up. That's what that's what everybody always says when they want yeah. oh, it. Doesn't matter. No, it's not a bad. Guy. The cap's going to go up. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like well, the salaries players, don't go up with that. <laughs> well, supermax players get thirty percent of the salary cap. So, yeah, they. I mean, that's what you're looking at. That's why Sabonis will be wise to wait and and get his contract when he gets his pl- his contract. So, yeah, it, it's there's a lot that goes into roster build and that's why they're looking at guys like Thibel and Darius Baisley like you give them a 25 30 game run do they fit do they not fit do they have the length that you want do they can they play within the style of offense and if they can you have bird rights to them and they're probably going to be affordable anyways this summer so it's a really good way to build out your roster without extending yourself on a Ben Simmons or a, a John Collins like John Collins yeah you're looking at 80 million over the next three years after this year like that impacts everything else you do from there then on. So when you don't have like options, that's one thing. But when all of a sudden you start having options because you're a better team, you have to think really wisely about your money. Well, the one thing about that though, James, and and tell me if I'm wrong about it, is it's 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 more about um, what you think. In this case, Vivek and the other owners are willing to spend over the luxury like if we're gonna go out that far to like Sabonis and Keegan and Fox and all this other stuff like this isn't a hard cap situation like you can keep everybody you want but now you're getting into a luxury tax situation and the argument before was always what you gonna spend 20 million dollars in the luxury cap or whatever or luxury tax or whatever it was at the time for a team that could win only 30 games 32 games or something like that now, hopefully, if things continue to progress over the years, you're talking about doing those things for a team that has an opportunity to, to, to be in the Western Conference Finals or, or something like that. Like, that's the hope. But the thing about it is you can always pay whatever you want as long as you're willing to pay it, if that makes any sense. Well, in theory, yes. And, and you miss the other part, as long as you have the money to spend. Like, that's, that's a big thing. So, right. like... Right. Joe Lacob has has more money than Jesus, so he just goes ahead and spends whatever he wants, right? He doesn't care. But that's not the same way it is in Sacramento. I mean, like, look, I know, like, in the first four months of the pandemic, the Kings lost over $100 million, mm-hmm. like, as a franchise. So where were they at, like, a year and a half into the pandemic? Where are they at when there's no one in the seats and all that stuff? So, like, all the concerts canceled, all that stuff. Like, they literally lost... Like, I, I don't even know what the estimation estimation would be, but it's got to be close to a half a billion dollars or more. So, like, yeah, we can expect these guys that will, you know, they, they can come up with the money, right? But it, it's also a business. And, you know, these guys have to do what's right for them as well as do what's right for the, uh, you know, the, the community and everything else. And, and then I'll even say this, like, look, you have to, like, gauge these things. Like, how how is everything going to work out now? 
and how's it, what's it going to look like in five years or three years? And, you know, like Rory is mentioning in the chat that the Kings are like 18 million under the luxury tax and that's fine. But one player can eat up that 18 million super fast and put you in a situation that's uncomfortable in two years. And you hope that the that the the salary cap is supposed to skyrocket, uh, supposed to go to one hundred and fifty, I think, in two years. Um, but then they think that it'll go even higher than that with a new television deal. Mm. But that's if the new television deal comes through the way that they think. And Expansion. yeah, so yeah. You, you got you have to be cautious. And and again, you don't want to get in a position where your team is is really good, but they're not great. And you don't have the ability to be great because you don't have the flexibility to go add that one piece that makes you great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Kings haven't been there forever and that's why they haven't spent all of their money every single year and, and just like blown it up. But like the first team, the first year I covered this team, they had a $58 million payroll. It was the lowest payroll in the NBA for the previous two seasons. They traded for Marquise Daniels at the trade deadline just to get to the salary floor, which was mandatory. Mm -hmm. uh, this, you know, they spent nothing. And so while you can say that, you know, the Kings don't spend as much as some other teams, um, what's 134 million minus 58? I don't know. That's that's a lot. That's like $76 million more than what the Maloofs were spending mm -hmm. uh, from 10 years ago. So, yeah, it's a lot of money. Hey, the Kings uh, re-signed Sabonis, have Fox, you know, re-signed Keegan Murray, you know, gets reported on, on Sports Sunday with Sarah Hodges, and then they shift. In related news, Rivercats ticket prices are up 250%. They <laughs> 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 have to find the money here to make for these guys. <laughs> yeah. Or they just like tear down the stadium and put up condos there to make money to develop something because they need the money. Uh, yeah, you don't want to extend yourself so far when you don't know what you have. You know, like it's we're talking about this is season one, season one of what should be or could be or hopefully will be a five to eight year run. Right. But it's still year one. You haven't even got to year one. You haven't got to the end of it. So show me what you are at the end of this year. Show me what you are at the end of next year. Are you a team that's building? Are you a team that's solidifying themselves as a top tier team? And if you're not, like what changes do you have to make? And so I, I get the the cautious approach. Every game is big uh, with the way the Western Conference is shaking out right now with the Clippers uh, emerging as that team we thought they would be before the season started with the Golden State Warriors finally getting their stuff together. Uh, I would argue, James, probably uh, a, an argument counter to what a lot of people think when you have that, you know, the two-game stretch against the Minnesota Timberwolves and you look ahead to the, 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 the rest of the trip, it's, oh, those are two big games against Minnesota. I'd argue these games coming up now are, are just as big, if not bigger, because they're games that you just can't afford to lose. The San Antonio Spurs are a 14-win team. You've got a Pelicans team coming up that have lost nine straight. You've got a, a, a an Indiana Pacers team that has lost like 11 or 12 out of 13 or something like that. And it, it, it feels like the Kings, on a night-to-night basis, even here on the road against bad teams, are in you, you've got to win these games type situations. This feels like a big game for the Sacramento Kings, a nothing game for the San Antonio Spurs. But it feels like a big deal for Sacramento, given the way the way that Western Conference is looking right now. Yeah, I mean, like, look, it's a road trip. You have to forget that you're on the road. You have to forget where you are in the standings. You have to be present in each and every single one of these games because 
like it does get tougher like the kings have i think coming into this stretch it was like the 21st easiest schedule remaining but when you get done with these seven games that's not going to be the case because a lot of the reason why your your record uh your future record strength to schedule against is so weak is because of this stretch once you get past this it's going to get more difficult your win percentage against is going to go way up and the final stretch of the season it's going to be a dogfight and they need every single bit a wiggle room that they can uh, create for themselves and that it's literally just taking care of business they've got what is it five games left on the trip like i don't want to say they have to go five and oh but they have to go five and oh that's what i said earlier they, they got to go four and one they got to go five and oh they've got it like they've got to find a way to get like if you go five and oh you're 12 games over 500 all of a sudden you're you're legit that's mm. legit you will have a good lead because one of those mm. games will come against new orleans one of those you know you're pushing other teams down even the the split against minnesota was spectacular like that really hurt minnesota look where they're at in the standings versus where they were the day before and like there's a desperation there so see and that's the thing i'm actually a little nervous about about this is you know you guys are both pushing for them to go five and zero over this stretch because of the teams that they're playing and i completely agree the one part where uh, i differ from you ham a little bit is i don't think that five and zero creates much separation I think the way that the Clippers are playing. Now, it might create separation with, say, like Utah or New Orleans or some of those teams, but I'm looking at Phoenix. I'm looking at at, 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 at Golden State, L.A. Kind of got my eye on Dallas. We'll see how that shakes out uh, over the course of the next week or so. I think it's important to just kind of not lose ground when you're playing bad teams, which makes which would make that Dallas series next week, if you drop some of these games over the next week, just absolutely massive. Uh, Casey, safe travels to Baltimore. Uh, Kenny will be back with us on Monday. James is going to be kind enough to hang out with us uh, for the next couple of days. If you're listening on ESPN 1320 or the Odyssey app, don't go anywhere. We'll continue to preview the Sacramento Kings and the San Antonio Spurs. We'll talk about Brady's retirement, and you'll hear from James Ham. All coming up here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Go Kings! This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.